Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshake. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 87 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Today's podcast is sponsored by Barefoot Athletics. If you're a strength athlete that likes to lift in a flat sole shoe, somewhat like a Chuck Taylor, you need to check out what these guys just came up with. Uh, Co-founded by friend of the show, Chris Duffin of Kabuki Strength, uh, who just squatted 1,000 pounds for three reps, Barefoot Athletics just released their Ursus shoe, and trust me, these shoes are awesome. I've been lifting in them for any non-Olympic lifts for the uh, past few weeks now, and I completely love them. They are a game changer, like nothing else that has been on the market. It's got a totally um, a wide toe box, something that is very, very helpful for improving foot stability and your performance when lifting. So if you go to barefootathletics.com, that's B-E-A-R, like the animal, and use this code SQUATU, you can get 10% off your order of these shoes. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go check these guys out. Now, for today's show, let's get to the content. You're about to hear part two of the conversation I had with Dr. Mario Novo on blood flow restriction training. Now, if you haven't listened to part one yet, go back to last week, check it out. So much value. The show you're about to hear is a continuation of that and just so much valuable knowledge on blood flow restriction, busting a lot of the myths, really giving you some practical takeaways for understanding what it is, how it can be evaluated for you not only in the rehabilitation of injuries, but also in the training for performance, how to perform it, how to use it correctly so that you can get the most out of this. And I think this is really going to blow you away. Again, if you liked last week's episode, you're going to really enjoy the end of this conversation. It's another long one. I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get to today's show. So yeah. it's, it sounds like for, let's let's take a strength athlete, for example, because I think that's sort of the large majority of where the strength sure. Yeah. university audiences is mm-hmm. we're seeing the, the practical application for, for a healthy athlete, not dealing with any aches and pains is mm-hmm. we're seeing it's mostly going to be used potentially as a warm up, non-fatiguing yeah. or sets yeah. of 15, whatever, and then get under the bar, which is something that I know uh, in talking to Chris Duffin recently, he said that he had been using that as sort of a, a primer. I, I, I wonder where Chris got it from. Yeah, and actually, he uh, he was the one that gave me your uh, information. I was like, I got to talk to this guy. Um, yeah, I so, love Chris. Yeah, he's yeah. such a great guy. And dude, I just saw, I'm sure you saw too, that the 1,000 for three or 1,001 for three, just amazing feat of strength. Um, I did, man. Yeah, he. Um, I don't know if you caught him on Instagram, but he had an evening where he broke down, man. Um, and, I mean, this is this what's happening to us globally is really kind of affecting – especially us kind of in the fitness world because, yeah. and, in, and in the health world, because part of what we do, it directly involves us uh, working with people. And I think right now what's, what we're being faced with is the reality that um, we, either, we either sink or swim and we got to figure out how to navigate this new digital world. I think you've done a phenomenal job of that thus far, but I understand going back you know, into having a regular job is necessary, especially with the cost of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of these companies really do provide outlets for us to be able to do that. So, you know, I've, I've kind of taken a, a long vacation from social media. I think the last time I really was consistent with posting was probably in like October of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, though, 
um, it's, it, it's, it's quite incredible. And Chris, yeah, he, uh, he had an evening where he broke down, man. And I was on the other end of that phone, just like, Oh bro, I feel it, man. Because have you, have you had a chance to read his book? Um, I, I haven't yet. I, I had him on the podcast. He told me all about it, which just yeah. the story what a, just blows what my cool mind. It's story. such an amazing story. So I, I yeah. definitely, it's on my, my uh, books to read list for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I read that on my trip to the Netherlands. It, uh, it companioned me on my <laughs> freaking forever flight to get there, uh, my evenings while I was there, and then my, uh, my bullet train back home to the airport. But it is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, gr- a very gripping story, what he's gone through as a, as a person. But I think more than anything, it kind of shows you that uh, it doesn't matter what, where you think you come from. Mm-hmm. It's about what you do with what you've got now that takes you to where you want to be um, in this one, as best as we know, this one go around experience that we have, um, you know, so, so don't, uh, don't be too full of yourself, but yep. at the same time, practice excellence. And, and Chris is, he's just, uh, he's an example of, of excellence, especially yeah. with obviously what he did. Not many, not many people can do that. Um, and, and it's taken him a while. I've, I've been with him, uh, giving him direction probably since 2000 and, um, I'd say maybe 2015, 2016. Okay. Um, I've been giving him some, uh, some pointers. I was in Portland for, for a course that I was teaching there. I actually taught it at Kabuki strength. Mm. Um, I got to meet him and, and all his trainers. Uh, I love all of them dearly. They're just really good people. And, um, and yeah, so, and we, we always have ongoing talks back and forth on like, how do we best, you know, how do we best meet athletes where they need to be met in this 21st century model, you know, yeah. of thing. So I think it's, uh, it's super cool, but yeah, man, Chris has been doing, he, he'd been doing the BFR for a little while now, man, we rehabbed him and then we, uh, we started strategically implementing it into uh into warm-ups uh and then obviously you know just trying to improve his his cardiovascular health you know again so many strength athletes bro the one muscle that never takes a break needs also to get some work and given when you're underneath the bar your heart rate does go up Mm -hmm. i will i will 100 percent agree with you that you are in good training intensities for your heart um but there there is a reality though that you do want to try to get uh, your, your lipid profile on point, you want to improve your insulin sensitivity. Um, you want to improve your muscles capacity to utilize lactate as a more efficient fuel and make yourself more metabolically flexible. That requires that you not only train under the bar and obviously spend some time in the kitchen, but it also means you spend some time doing some valuable cardiovascular work that this is where BFR for me has made the biggest difference because okay. I no longer have to tell an athlete, I need you to go do 30 minutes, 45 minutes of this activity um, at about maybe 65% uh, percent of your heart rate reserve to make sure we get some sort of small positive adaptation to your ability to recover uh, between sets, right? Yeah. Or your ability to recover between days. Um, but now I can say, hey, I want you to go do that for like five to 10 minutes. Um, and you, you have to be at no more of an intensity than maybe slightly above or at, um, a conversational pace. Mm. So the intensities for walking are about 40% of your 30 to 40% of your heart rate reserve at about 
60% LOP on your legs to 80 per se, mm-hmm. um, can get you the same results as being above 60% of your heart rate reserve for an excess of 45 minutes. Oh, wow. So I can, I can trim all that stuff down. And again, I can, I can still have some positive time that I'm working on that this person is also just um, working on some general movements that maybe they don't get to do because they're always under the bar. Yeah. You know, um, let's work on some coordination. You're a human. You should be able to know how to put your right foot in front of your left foot and not just to walk a bar back or walk a bar back into rack. Um, the, you know, and all these things can help and improve, uh, again, just the movement profile of that person. I think if you look at movement as a language, the more movement you know, the more vocabulary you have, the more you can defend yourself in various situations that maybe require you to move differently than you do normally. Mm-hmm. And as an individual who has friends and family that are in the military, I always go back to personal safety, like know how to move, uh, know how to get on the ground and know how to get up off the ground. I know CrossFitters are crazy for doing burpees, <laughs> too many of them, but can you do a burpee? You know, just, just practice. And, and, you know, your cardiovascular capacity can largely also reduce your risk of stroke, reduce your risk of developing, obviously, cardiovascular disease, metabolic disease, diabetes, um, uh, kidney disease, liver disease. It's just another form of movement that, if done with BFR, has shown to yield better results for strength, um, better results for muscle building when compared to cardiovascular activities done for longer durations of higher intensities. Um, so in the elderly, this is huge. In the elderly, you take somebody who's above 60 and just have them walk on a treadmill yeah. five days a week. And their quads are going to build. Their calves are going to get bigger. Uh, their coordination is going to get better. Their endurance is going to get better. Their actual cardiovascular health, their VO2 is going to get better. Um, but with an athlete, man, we've, w- there's been studies that they've done this on Special Forces Airborne, mm-hmm. Army, NBA players, um, uh, college-age uh, soccer players, um, uh, semi-professional rugby players, where they have random through mixes of weightlifting BFR and cardiovascular-specific BFR. Uh, like some of the swimming studies have been super cool, man. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, time and time again, you get the numbers, you dial in the numbers right, you do your assessment, you get your pressure right, you get your programming aspect right, you balance it out with, you know, other types of intensity. Um, you know, you make sure the athlete's dialed in, they're in good communication with you. I, sometimes I do this distance based, I don't even see them. You know, yeah. it's all, all communication, making sure that, you know, I'm asking the right questions so that I know if I'm overreaching um, and I know how to dial back a little bit then. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's tremendous good application for its use, um, I think, and more so in the cardiovascular side of things, in, in general, you know, weightlifting uh, strength yeah. athletes. Now, is it, what's the response to doing like a treadmill walk? Like, are you, are you feeling that same amount of pump in the legs? Like, the only time I've used BFR is with, I've just done like a 20%, you know, holding a goblet squat and doing mm-hmm. sort of trying to do the, the 30, 15, 15, 15. And I know after doing that, like my, that's the most intense pump that I've ever felt mm, ever. Good pump. Yeah. What, what are we experiencing with doing more of the cardiovascular? 
So with a bike, you're definitely going to feel more of a pump. You're going to get yeah. more fatigue just because the range of motion is bigger. There's yeah. more muscles that are involved. It's not just a push. It's a pull too. So you get yeah. the hammy. Uh, same thing with the elliptical. Uh, you can you can run with it. Uh, I, I don't I don't really like to run with it. You can put it on after you run or like in between mm-hmm. runs, like between sprints. Um, mm-hmm. I use that with a uh, with a police officer I had who was applying for the um, for the DEA, and uh, he uh, he ranked in at 99th percentile for all of his tests. And he is a, he's an amputee. He uh, is a, mm. a baloney amputee, lost his leg in Afghanistan, got blown up, lost a few fingers. Good shooter, hell of a shooter. Mm. But um, yeah, we, we did a considerable amount of BFR cardiovascular based work with him um, and did some awesome stuff. But um, yeah, the, um, I'm sorry, I got carried away thinking it's about like it. So it, so it sounds like the application awesome. is, for a, for a power lifter or weight lifter is going to be more so let's use it in a non-fatiguing state as a pre-warm up to see, to see if it works, to see if you feel better under the bar. Mm-hmm. But really in reality for someone that's completely healthy, not dealing with any aches and pains, let's probably use it as an adjunct with a little bit of cardiovascular work, mm-hmm. walking on a treadmill for five, 10 minutes. Oh, that's what you're asking the pump. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So on your, when you walk uh, guys out there, okay. You, you got you got you got to move some stuff around, right? Yeah. Um, so you may you may want to. Uh, what I would uh, suggest is uh, usually, you know, tidy whities feel all right to do it with, because um, like okay, just all things aside, we're all people here. Uh, you got to kind of move things up out of the way, uh, yeah. and if you're kind of hairy down there, yeah. you know, uh, if any, and you're wearing. You know, something that's maybe a little tight already in that spot. I mean, you may feel some hairs like get pulled. It's mm. just that reality that's just, mm-hmm. that just happens. Yeah. Um, but I will say on a treadmill, you're going to kind of walk a little bit like a cowboy. I was just going to say right? that. Yeah, that happens. Um, generally speaking, though, when, so there's been a gait study where they looked at basically, basically the, the spatial temporal parameters of gait. Uh, fancy words for saying, did it look this, you know, hide your foot at the ground and then come off the ground. And when yep. they compared BFR to non-BFR, there, there was, don't fight me. There was a, she's hungry. There were not, <laughs> uh, there was not no statistical difference between the, the two of them. So we're not going to screw up somebody's gate doing it. Gotcha. Um, I generally progress from flat, uh, five minute, uh, 60% LOP rounds to eventually about like a 4% grade, um, to anywhere from like, 2.5 to maybe 2.8 miles per hour keep it about 60 percent lop on the legs that's usually uh, about three rounds correct uh I'll, I'll progress into one solid round me personally okay yeah personally i do about 10 to 15 minutes um about five to six days a week okay uh, I, just, I just jump in my garage i got my treadmill in there yeah. Um, I'll put on, you know, listen to somebody's podcast basically. <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll set up my stuff and, and go there, but I progress people from that very flat, short duration to going up. So maybe like one, five minute session in the beginning of the session. Yeah. We work on some mobility. We work on some, some strategies for, for lifting, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. uh, some TA, some therapeutic activities. And then I may end the session again with five minutes. Mm-hmm. So that may be a progression to one, five, one block of five, two blocks of five, three blocks of five, one block of 10, one block of 15, one block of 20. Mm. 
pick your poison. Yeah. Uh, just progress responsibly, basically. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and, and then I'll just I'll just adjust the grade or I'll put intensity on the bike. Um, I did have a cyclist that I was treating a little while ago, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we we progressed him on the bike um, to uh, where he was basically just doing sprints. Uh, we were doing what are called like um, uh, peak uh, power uh, mm-hmm. sprints. Mm-hmm. So these were um, I would get him. I basically would get him inflated and then um, I would have him ride at a percentage of his peak power that was taken from a preliminary test of what his peak power was Mm. and his time to exhaustion. So meaning I got him on a good day and we warmed up and then I had him give me his all out max effort. And from that one test, I got to see what his peak torque production was. And I got to see at what point did he start to uh, plateau and then start to bottom out and start returning back down. So like he was now having diminishing, um, you know, uh, force capabilities or torque capabilities. So I take those two numbers and now I'm like, all right, I got peak torque. Studies show if I have you ride at 30 uh, percent of your peak torque increasing in, in anywhere from two to five percent each week. Mm-hmm. In about four to six weeks, we should see some substantial change. Um, but the time duration of the actual training is really only like anywhere from maybe two uh, to five-minute rounds. They're very small rounds, very short rounds because mm-hmm. they suck. They're horrible. Mm-hmm. That's what I do with the NFL. We, we, I ran these, these guys, fuck, excuse my language. These guys hated me. <laughs> yeah. These guys hate, they were like, oh, it's you. Um, because I was having them do a protocol that was like that because some of these guys were going to get cut. Mm. And, um, one of my friends who, you know, is, a is an AT, uh, DPT over there, uh, with the team I was with was like, Hey man, can, can we do this? And I was like, well, I got these two studies. Let's, let's figure out a way we can do it. And then let's just, you know, case study these guys and let's just track them. Yeah. And, uh, we did, uh, unfortunately never got the thing published. It just life threw too many curveballs at me, but you know, it did show us that, yeah, some of these guys actually did get better at the professional level. And that's huge because they were riding the bike. I think I had them start off with, I think it was like th- like three, no, four two-minute rounds. And then we went up to five, six, seven, eight. I think we ended with eight two-minute rounds mm. um, at, a, at a progressive 30% peak power um, to 35 40 45 50 and that i think we got to 55 or 60 percent peak power um they hated it but man these big boys that could not sprint they got a, a nice you know boost before they got back out on the field to sprinting because now yeah. I, I just put a whole i put a whole turbo into that engine um and didn't have to run it hard you know to get to get to that point yeah. um and also you know you got some extra bulk on their legs, so extra meat on the bone, to protect mm-hmm. the joint. So now it's easier to get back out on the field and, uh, and, and feel good. You know, a lot of them, that, that, they hated it, but they were like, I feel a lot better. Yeah. You know, because a lot of these guys were right on the bandwagon from PT. Uh, like they had already been allowed to return back to on-field training, but not mm-hmm. full contact play. So it was like, ooh, we got to hurry up because like season's moving along and yeah, there's 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 a lot of ways you can go about on the on the on the cardio side of things. Uh, you'll feel a pump for sure. Again, mm-hmm. you'll get more on a bike. You'll get less when you walk. But if you progress it, I mean, I 
doing mine now at my my three four percent grade my quads are my calves too man i'm a drummer yeah so i i focus a lot on accuracy and mm -hmm. precision with just keeping on point with uh you know with with any um timing that i'm in yeah and um and that's one area that interesting for me has been obviously you know my, my leg tolerance to lactic acid is through the roof i can mm. just play 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 i feel it but i'm like mm, take your mind somewhere else you've been in worse already yeah and there's kind of like that perspective i think all of us go through where you know pain is relative yeah uh, and it's and it's subjective so mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've put my legs through a lot of pain with bfr um and my forearms too so now when i go and i do um you know uh, 16 30 second notes um at, at, at very fast tempos where before I would feel like there's the wall. I feel it, it's coming, hit it. Like that's it. My hands are cramping. My fingers are cramping. I can't yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Sticks anymore. The sticks not even rebounding. Um, I can push beyond that now. And that's, I mean, that's, that's just a normal occurrence of training. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that BFR since I've been, I've been playing drums for a long time in my life. Uh, it, it did make a difference that I could observably see in mm -hmm. my, in my, in my personal playing style. Yeah. So. I think that's going to be interesting for a lot of strength athletes to hear the importance of cardiovascular work because of course, man. being in a weight, I mean, I've been a weightlifter since 2005 and it's always been one of those things that, man, I, I can't go do a lot of cardio. That's going to take away all my gains. You know what I'm saying? But then I've worked so hard for, if I'm doing, you know, sets of five or lower, my goal is strength and power. And if I go out and go for a run, or try to mix and match cardiovascular <laughs> training and strength and, or, you know, strength and power, it's going to diminish my strength <laughs> and power gains that I can make. So what you're saying is that really with BFR, it allows us to get the cardiovascular boost uh, during our strength training, potentially if we're doing it in the way that you're saying with BFR, <laughs> but it's not going to take away. It's not going to decrease <laughs> But in, in fact, it's going to enhance. You're going to have better recovery in between sets. You're going to have, so for example, I know right now I'm in a current block of training where I'm doing sets of like eight to six. And I mean, that mm -hmm. high volume training is freaking killer. I mean, that's cardio mm -hmm. for a weightlifter. Yeah. But with something like BFR, doing it multiple times, three to five times a week, right? Like you said, you know, riding the bike, walking the treadmill or more. If, if I can stop you there, it's, it's yeah. interesting. You say it's like cardio for a, for a weightlifter. Yeah. When you consider what you're what you're basing that off of is probably your experience of not tolerating that lactic acid as it starts to happen. It's for it's sure. not just you feeling like you're getting winded, but it's also like yeah, like I I, I can't I, I can't go any more than this. Yeah. Um. And sometimes what ends up happening to weightlifters that aren't used to going into those ranges is that they end up um, sometimes offshooting it. Uh, they end up obviously in the very beginning, you're going to develop a lot more central fatigue because again, your yeah. brain's not really kind of used to you doing that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I mean, again, everything is about, um, the intensity that you put, right? Mm -hmm. My professor wasn't wrong. Right. Daniel Saravita out there in the world, <laughs> wherever you are, uh, he wasn't wrong. Power is important. And then he was also right in recovering. It's that combination. And your cardiovascular system plays a very big role, role with that. Again, your yep. muscles are organs. Mm -hmm. You know, like your heart's a super important organ. Um, your muscles are super important organs. They're your number one glucose disposal organ, right? They're your glucose sink. 
Um, so training is super advantageous for them. But if you are not training the other end of them, which is how they basically, you know, get access to not just acute energy yeah. in the form of oxygen um, and glucose, but also nutrients. Mm. Um, you're talking about also better delivery of amino acids, better, de better delivery of essential fatty acids. Um, all, all these things are, are necessary and they need a strong pump and a plumbing system to get it there. So the training part, I think undoubtedly, you know, in my years of training, um, I always felt that I was doing an adequate amount, but I felt the same as you do, which was like, man, as soon as I, I start doing some cardio, I drop in weight. Uh, and for me, I'm a, I'm, oh man, I'm like a, a mix between like a hard gainer and I guess what used to be called like a mesomorph. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's hard for me sometimes, um, to, it's hard for me to keep weight. It's easier for me to put on muscle hard to keep weight, mm. um, because my body would just thin out very quickly. Um, because I don't know my appetite I just I don't get hungry like some people do. I mean, I get ravenous sometimes, but sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, you want to keep your system as optimal as possible. And I think that's, that's maybe a more important kind of term in all types of training as we approach the 21st century is just optimization. How do we optimize? We have to be educated. Mm. Where do we get educated? From knowledgeable sources that have, uh, you know, well done research. And sometimes it takes a while to get well done research. So if there's well done case studies, that can be just as good, especially if it's coming from somebody who also has very good experience in working with hundreds and hundreds of human subjects that have allowed their bodies to be, you know, tested. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then we kind of find what the means are, but everybody falls somewhere along that line. There are lots of non-responders. In fact, there was a recent BFR study that showed that, there were, that, that they didn't have an adaptation the way that they hypothesized it would happen. Mm -hmm. When I went back in later and I read through the study, I'm like, hmm, it's probably the protocol. And it may also be the fact that um, if, there's, if there's no consistent progression, it could even be the, the exercise selection. You know, if there's too few exercises that are selected um, or too many, there is a sweet spot. And you'll okay. find this with people. You know, most people, if you're going to do, again, let's, let's go, let's get the rehab stuff out of here for a second, which is mm -hmm. maybe that first, you know, you're going to do exercise without, I mean, you're, you're going to use BFR without exercise. But if we just look at it with, weightlifting and with cardio, um, in, in both of those scenarios with weightlifting and cardio, um, we want to understand that, um, the, the application, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. I had a text message that just came in. From <laughs> uh, uh, remind me real quick. What was I just so saying? So we're right talking now? about using BFR weightlifting and cardio. So for being able to optimize training. Okay. So, um, yeah, so on, on both of those fronts, oh, we're talking about uh, uh, too much or too little. Yes. So uh, what we found out is that with, with the cardio side, um, it, you're kind of like in a really Goldilocks situation where, you know, three, three times a week can have good benefit. Two, two can also, if the intensity is right, two can two. Two can also okay. have good. But you can go up as high as six. Mm. Um, so, you know, for some of your people that are like, I got to train. I got I to feel something. Cool, do it. I, I mean, I recently had, I had my right knee Christmas Day. My son and my nephew were jumping all behind me, and they jumped off the bed and semi landed on my leg. And I, uh, I actually dislocated 
my knee joint, not, not my oh, patellofemoral joint, my actual tibiofemoral joint. And I had to put it back in place. And uh, my, my knee swelled up. I, I could not even tolerate a, a body weight squat up until oh, wow. must have been like January, like 20, near the end of January, beginning of February. I couldn't even tolerate that. Wow. BFR came back into my wheelhouse. I was like, ah, bro, I got to train. I got to do – I couldn't play drums. Yeah. I couldn't weight lift. So I'm going out of my mind. Video games yeah. only take me so far. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go back. So I went back into my walking. That didn't bother it. Okay. Um, as the range of motion got better, I started cycling with it. Okay. Um, and then I was just walking and cycling, just flip-flopping them every other day. Um, as that started to be more tolerable, got back into my – my uh my mini knee squats my mini tkes so total yeah. knee extension mm -hmm. um some banded hip extensions some seated knee extensions as i got better progressed straight leg raises um and then just got to the point where i was full failure with everything then after the failure and started feeling good isometric squats um on a hack press uh 90 degrees and uh isometric knee extensions 45 degrees isometric hamstring curls so I just started hitting the ISOs like nuts at high, 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 higher intensities until finally, you know, got back to throwing, you know, a bar on my back, uh, 225, full depth, no heel, you know, no, uh, no lifters, yeah. knees back to feeling normal, can, can go back to Cossacks, uh, can go back to uh, um, curtsy lunges, step ups, nothing. Now my knee's back to 100%. And now that, that, before, is, that with, is like an example of how it could yeah. happen if you do get injured. <laughs> yeah. Now, now before you, you said you're mentioning like straight leg raises, knee extensions, obviously you're doing like the, the 30, 15, 15, uh, yeah. 15 protocol. What you mentioned isometrics there, like you were doing like some, some squat isometrics on a, on a hack squat or just going down and doing an isometric at 90. What type mm -hmm. of uh, protocol are you using for that? So uh, originally I started with uh, BFR. Okay. Um, basically what I would do is I would set a clock, uh, for like five minutes. Um, and think of it like a setting exercise. Okay. You know, um, I've got the, the stack set to its maximum weight or if you've got a lock, so it doesn't move. Okay. Um, and I'm basically going to push for about maybe five seconds, uh, up to a total of 10 seconds. Uh, there were a near, near the end, I was pushing upwards of like maybe uh, like 15 seconds, but I really wasn't able to tolerate more than like three minutes. Yeah. Uh, so the idea was that now I've got an isometric where I'm not going to be taking my joint through any range that's, that's bothering it, mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to give myself an extra little plus. So rather than just doing heavy, heavy isometrics, which is good for the tendons, mm -hmm. uh, it might not be the best for my joint. So mm. I'm just going to ease into those isometrics, but I'm going to get a good metabolic stimulus out of it. And I'm going to put myself in the range where I know that isometrics, particularly with a squat, are going to give me the best overall results for quad, hammy, glute, and adductors. Mm. Um, and then I progress to no BFR uh, and full maximal effort on the stack uh, until finally the stack, even at 225, was like, oh, it's starting to budge a little bit. Let's now start going back down and seeing what I can do for reps. Mm. Um, and then just progressing back, uh, to just to, to full depth, you know, Bulgarians made a big part of that just to make sure I, I didn't lose my mobility. Um, but the same thing with, uh, a lot of just assisted lifts. Um, uh, and obviously a lot of the same mobility drills that you take your athletes through, uh, those were in my wheelhouse. And I strategically used a lot of those, especially for knee flexion, 
after BFR. Um, once I was kind of like in the middle of my routine where I was able to tolerate, you know, all my cardio activities, I was able to tolerate um, some of my open chain activities. I put myself right in prone BFR hamstring curls, mm -hmm. ugh, deflate, grab my stretch strap, bam, full knee flexion, no pain. Wow. Yeah. And that was, that was pretty, pretty phenomenal because I had, I had pretty terrible pain. I thought for a moment that I was like, dude, I think I tore part of my PCL. Yeah. I was, I think part of my, uh, my insertion into my medial meniscus is maybe screwed up because my hammy feels a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. Um, man, I was thinking all sorts of weird stuff and ultimately I just kept rehabbing it and rehabbing it. Um, I, we are our, our worst patients. I never went and got imaged. I was, I was like, I don't need it. I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't change any colors. I don't, I'm not dealing with any sort of circulation problems. So, um, but yeah. Uh, and then I got into from my mini knee squats to full depth squats, no pain. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but mind you, pain would come back. Okay. Like three, four hours later, be like, ah, oh, there it is again. That that's, you know, again, cause my brain is going, yo, I'm still receiving some info from down here and stuff's not fully checked out. So mm -hmm. we're going to have this pain experience so that you keep protecting us so that we have the best environment to actually heal and do our job. So you keep, you don't, you don't keep screwing this up for us. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that, that was my route. But again, you know, in, in a strength athlete, um, there's a lot of liberties with the cardio stuff that you can throw in and a lot of benefit too. again. Uh, we mentioned a, a lot of aspects of recovery. Okay. Yeah. It can really help with the recovery. Um, on the weightlifting side. Yeah. Use it before you lift. That's a pretty cool strategy. Yeah. Uh, obviously don't, don't do it before meat. I think that's stupid because <laughs> of the, you know, the, the bar is way, you know, the yeah. margin of error. Don't do that. Do it on a, on a training day where you're feeling freaking, you know, you're feeling like a stud. Just go out there, feel, you know, get yourself a pair of cuffs, go through it correctly. Now, given if you're doing it solo, uh, it's hard to get your LOP uh, using like a handheld, ultra, you know, ultrasound. Got to have a uh, body to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, it can. Uh, but I will say if, if you can get a blood pressure cuff machine mm. um, and you can measure your systolic blood pressure. Uh, if you take your just your systolic blood pressure from your arm and you at least go up about like, let's say anywhere from like 30 to 40 millimeters of mercury mm -hmm. uh, above that, uh, you're generally going to be in kind of like that 60% LOP for your legs anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of on average. Yeah. Yeah. Like you find the biggest swings are more so going to happen with people who have maybe had like just chronic um, you know, weakness, chronic joint stuff for a while, especially mm -hmm. like ACLs. If it, they've only had it on one knee, you know, that knee may not, may not ever come back that quad. Yeah. And that's kind of a big area for BFR. I've treated a lot of patients with what we call anabolic resistance, which is, you know, it's, it's a non-medical diagnosis, um, that, that basically shows an, an early onset of sarcopenia but it's not age related. It's, it's trauma related. Interesting. Um, so it's, and that's why we wait for ACLs nowadays to have surgery. We kind of just throw up, throw them into, throw them in a prehab, you know, give their body some time to, to manage that trauma, recover a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and sorry, my ring was telling me somebody's at my door, but social distancing, <laughs> right? <Exactly>. Leave it, <laughs> leave it. <laughs> um, 
But uh, yeah, I've had some really great results with some of those people that, um, but it's not, it's not just BFR. It's a combination of, of educating that athlete also about protein. Yeah. Um, as a macronutrient, I educate all my patients on protein. I give them what's called my, like my protein one-on-one packet mm. and just walks them through like, what's protein? Uh, what are, what are amino acids? What are essential amino acids? Um, what is net protein balance? Um, and then where in your grocery store can you find, you know, good sources of meat and vegetable protein that should be combined because then you get the benefit of a good essential amino acid profile from meat. And then you can also get some good fiber and some other you know, micronutrients from the vegetables. Yeah. That's uh, huge. Yeah. Are, are you ever seeing times with, and this just popped into my head. I had a PA the other day tell me that they did not want BFR to be placed on their post-op ACL patients oh, yeah. until like eight to 12 weeks out. Yeah. And from my understanding, it's, that's almost the critical time when BFR has its best benefit is that early onset correct in, in allowing us to see those preservations of muscle hypertrophy from prior to the injury, uh, ability to regenerate or maintain strength and ward off disuse atrophy. I mean, are, are there any times where you're going to hold off on using BFR directly after a surgery? For sure. Yeah. Especially if there's, um, you know, if, if there's more of a surgical site, like, uh, you know, a, a knee replacement, uh, an ankle fusion, uh, uh, Achilles repair, uh, uh, patellar tendon repair, mm -hmm. uh, total hip, uh, Tommy John's a wrist. Or, if there's, if there's a, if there's a wound that, uh, looks like you can potentially bust it open, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to hold off because first off, I, I gotta like take into account again, this individual's overall general like health, like, For sure. How is this person going to heal? Um, do they even understand the concepts of, you know, hydration for healing? Um, uh, are they going to just be chugging a bunch of pain pills and, and, and you know, uh, drinking maybe one glass of water a day and maybe having a few crackers because mm -hmm. the pain pills are making them nauseous? True. You know, so it, it I think it requires uh, some education first. Ask some right questions. Um, obviously, you know, know, know your surgical procedures. And know your surgical providers. Whose mm -hmm. feathers are you going to ruffle? I've oh man, I've ruffled some feathers in my time. Yeah. Um. And and I've had some people straight up just be like, mm -mm, "No, you ain't going to do it." But I've had others where they're like, "Oh my god, I got to reach out to you, man. Like, you're the only dude that's doing this. Like, I got yeah. to get these patients in now." And it's like, "Yeah, let's go." <laughs> uh. So yeah, it, it it depends on on the on the surgical side. The bigger the wound, uh, the more time I'm going to let for that to heal up. For sure. Um, the now, mind you, a lot of ACLs, uh, especially if it's their first surgery, are usually going to have a pretty minimally invasive surgery yeah. that the studies show you can start as early as week two. But I will tell you, based on what we know now about trauma, okay. um, is that it can also traumatize the leg. So you want to make sure that a few things happen in kind of like this order. So, like number one, from that injury. Mm -hmm. that athlete was already sent to prehab. Um, and in prehab, uh, they either had or did not have BFR, but they were at least having an education on protein consumption and were consuming via the um, International Society of Dietitians or even from 
the WHO, the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. uh, that they're consuming at least 2.2 to 2.5 grams per kilogram of protein per body weight. Mm -hmm. You need more when you're hurt, um, a lot more, because now you don't have this, the same training intensity to stimulate that, uh, that muscle protein synthesis. So you got to rely on food to do it. And, uh, and this confuses people. A lot of times athletes are like, I need to eat more protein because I trained today. Uh, no, you trained today. So you already stimulated it. You're good. Your body actually can use less protein on the days you train because you're more sensitive to it. Interesting. On the days you don't train, yeah. you actually need to consume more protein because you're not having the mechanical stimuli. Makes sense. Uh, but, and again, this is a good scenario. Person's injured. They can't train. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's no mechanical stimuli. So let's up the protein. It also helps with collagen. And no, that doesn't mean take collagen. That means eat good, adequate protein. And if you consume enough of it, your body can make collagen because it's made of non-essential amino acids and maybe yeah. a few conditional, but I don't remember. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, so if they've had prehab and they've had protein with or without BFR, mm -hmm. um, and then they've had surgery, you can get them like day two, yeah. go. If they didn't have prehab, they didn't have any, any increases in protein uptake. Um, and they are, they're, they're having the surgery like right around the, like, Hey, we just tore it. We're going to schedule your surgery in like a week or two weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to want to wait, um, anywhere from maybe like four to five weeks, unfortunately. Okay. Because that, that knee is just so irritated. Everything yeah. in there is, is in like horrible, horrible state. And they may not feel it, which is fantastic. Awesome. Hey, man, if you don't got pain, thumbs up. But there's a yeah. lot going on in that knee right now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I may want to spend that time to just bring things down. Now, mind you, I might still strategically want to apply BFR with maybe just Russian stim or maybe just some general muscle setting. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I might not want to do more than that because at that point, the range of that knee is so critical to get back For so sure. quickly. Yeah. If I'm going to make, cause I, I've had this happen. I've had somebody who didn't fit that criteria that I said earlier that had the injury, had the surgery, came to PT and then I hit BFR, man, their knees swole up. They mm. were, the, the doctor was concerned and I'm like, Oh my God, what did I do? The Hippocratic oath. This is so bad. Yeah. Um, and it cleared up, it cleared mm. up within a day. You know, and they were like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I freaked out. You know, I didn't mean to get you in any trouble. I'm like, no, man, none at all. I mean, it's yeah. on me. It's on me to make that clinical decision. So I have to fully accept that. Yeah. But you know, they, they were like, do it, do it. <laughs> Come on, put it on. Yeah. So, I mean, I, w I, was, I was kind of um, encouraged by the patient. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, this wasn't somebody who was paying, you know, just cash. This was somebody that was through insurance. Yeah. So, you know, there's a few more people I have to make happy. but. Um, nonetheless, though, if, if, if things can be right, then go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will say that, um, generally speaking with most of your post-op patients, if you're not getting somebody who's a pro athlete, uh, you're not getting a, a college student, um, or somebody who's like in, in sports entertainment or just entertainment in general. Um, the likelihood is you're going to have to wait because these people generally might not have any training age and they're, yeah. they're going to be super swollen. They're going to be in a lot of pain. 
Yeah. And they're and they're going to be on pain meds, and they're going to know what you're telling them. And they're like, this guy put this thing on my leg, and all you need them to do is tell the doctor some some scary story, or make them nauseous, and then they get then it's even worse because now they're in pain and they're nauseated from what you just did to them. I don't know if you've ever trained yourself to a point of wanting to throw up. I've trained with CrossFitters; it yeah. sucks. <laughs> train hard with BFR, you'll get there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there has, I mean, there was like a reported case of rhabdo that happened like way in the beginning, like 2000 and I don't know, 2000 and maybe eight or 2009. Yeah. And uh, it was just irresponsibility on the part of the person. Uh, there was a case of somebody who was drinking prior to, you know, to doing mm. it, drinking while doing it. And then there was a case somebody was using creatine and they were like, oh, creatine may be a risk. And we've since not seen any issues with that at all. Creatine is just an osmolite. Um, it just draws water. If anything, what it'll do is it may actually make uh, it may it may make it harder to achieve failure with mm-hmm. creatine consumption because creatine in general, in most studies, shows that you'll perform more repetitions because of more available oxygen and more or more available um, volume in the muscle. And, mm-hmm. and and it shows that as your muscle gets more volume or you get a pump. Here's kind of an interesting thing, and it's about BFR too. Okay. The more of a pump you get, the more protective uh, the muscle can uh, can be at, mm. at standing torque or force productions on it. So in studies where people, patients, you know, that are mm. injured do BFR, they tend to have a lot less muscle damage uh, when compared to um, people that are doing it in free flow yeah. for you know matched reps. Um, and they think some of that is because as you have this congestion. Uh, which is the correct term for it, venous congestion. Um, and then you have all that fluid have to go somewhere. So it infiltrates into the muscle belly or into the mm-hmm. muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. Uh, as that muscle becomes engorged, um, some passive muscle fibers may be playing a role, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, basically structural proteins, may be playing a role at helping the muscle to withstand some of the additional eccentric torque uh, being placed on it, and therefore it has less damage. Mm. We see this actually happen in eccentric training in general. Um, I don't know if you, if you know of the the, the non-contractile protein Titan or Titan. I've heard um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, eccentric contractions, it basically winds itself up around um, actin, and then mm-hmm. it, it supports it on its way back down. So when you perform eccentric exercises, they actually have less motor unit recruitment um, as opposed to concentric, which has more. So that's why when you, when you kind of see like low to match groups, concentric versus eccentric, generally speaking, they'll be the, they'll be the same. Mm-hmm. The only time concentric groups will have any sort of better benefit is when you, you know, you're, you're in that above concentric range that you can tolerate. Yeah. And that's kind of, and the reason why that happens is because not all of your muscle is facilitating the, the deceleration of that weight. Some of it comes from, uh, or at least not myosinactin. Some of it's coming from titan or titan. Yeah. So yeah, and we see that with BFR. We see p- people have a whole lot less muscle damage, so the recovery is fast, and that's what I mean by like recovery, mm-hmm. like from weightlifting. Um, you know, I I think there's a lot left to learn. I'll yeah. just tell you observationally, uh, people tend to recover better when they're applying it with the cardiovascular aspect of it because it's not as stressful, but yeah. it seems just enough that it can help to push the the things we want to go forward to go forward. Well, that's huge um, for a weightlifter or powerlifter. I mean, if course. you can recover better oh, more in between man. sets and in between training days, yeah. just by doing a few minutes of mm-hmm. walking on a treadmill or bike riding with BFR cuffs on, and you're going to be able to maximize then 
your strength and your power. I mean, performance yeah. games go through the roof potentially then. Yeah, put the chips where they need to. If you can yeah. strength train, strength train. If there's a need that you have to manage your loads, um, then it's a good strategic tool to use. If you are in a situation where you are fully load compromised, then it is by far, bearing in mind safety, you're a yeah. good candidate for it, meaning, you know, A, you're not, you're not an active cancer patient, and, and there's a lot of debate on that, but we will just kind of say it as a blanket statement. You're not pregnant. Okay. So for listeners who are ladies, if you're like, oh, I'm pregnant, I, I, I shouldn't be lifting heavy weight because of the risk of physically harming, you know, my baby or because of the blood pressure, I'll just do BFR. Uh, BFR increases your systolic blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it might not be good to use. Mm. And furthermore, we don't know if if you happen to train hard enough while you're pregnant to actually get some of these hormones to come out, is your baby going to come out jacked? Can you come <laughs> out baby Hercules? You know, we don't know. Yeah. So, you know, in those cases we say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if, if the person is just, you know, you know obese, morbidly obese, no, um, you're not going to find cuffs that might even fit. And there's a lot of adipose tissue and it's going to be really painful to get enough pressure to bear down on the muscle first to then put enough pressure on the actual arteries, which are super deep to the bone. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with like hypertension, you know, somebody who is hypertensive, uh, stage one, you know, we want to kind of get some things under control first and then maybe apply BFR because it is being used in, in post, um, uh, it's being used in cardiac rehab because of the, the mention I told you earlier about yeah. reducing stroke volume to increase heart rate. That can actually be quite um, uh, useful for somebody who's recovering from a heart attack because it can reduce the amount of um, stress on the heart, on having to take up so much blood and then pump all that blood out. Hmm. Um, rather, we can just strengthen the heart on its, on its muscle uh, contractility characteristics as opposed to um, its ability to to stretch that far that may actually be stressful to the heart and and may sure. put the heart at more risk if there's a few you know arteries on the heart itself that maybe are like almost close to getting you know a, a clogged and yeah. maybe that person's trying to avoid that and that's why they're taking drugs to help it reduce uh, their blood pressure um, you know mighty they might be on Lasix to reduce the viscosity that yeah. would also reduce the amount of you know stroke volume stress on the heart or the ejection fraction. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of benefits that can happen in those populations and in concussion, there's been some discussion as well because your brain and post-stroke, your brain uses, um, lactic acid as an energy, um, uh, primary energy fuel source in those situations. Mm. Um, we don't know yet. Yeah. You know, I've tried it with some Parkinson's patients. Uh, I've tried it with uh, chronic stroke, um, MS, um, uh, what else? What else? What else? I think those are the those are the main ones. I did have a, a partial spinal cord patient. I tried it with once on an upper extremity, but on all on all of them, I started them with very you know low low muscle setting, you know quad sets, uh, knee extension, hamstring curls, uh, prog- you know bike if they can bike if you know if they can't walk as balance um, mm-hmm. or treadmill if they can. Yeah. And you know, what I found is that, you know, they, they really can't tolerate a whole lot, but it, mm-hmm. it's still very beneficial for them because yeah. in about three weeks, two, three weeks, 
hey, I was able to take my groceries in the house. I was able to go up the stairs. I didn't feel winded. Um, I was able to, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as afraid. I, I felt like I could, I could trust in my body, better confidence. I, that's cool, man. And, and we were not training in any intensities yeah. uh, that would have yielded any benefit from the studies except the cardio. And that's where we, where I made sure that I was like, Hey man, I want you coming in five, four, four, five days a week. Yeah. And I'm only going to bill you for the time you're here. So I'm only going to bill you a unit, 15 minutes. And then I would even discount rate it if I could. Yeah. Uh, or I would just get them on like a gym program. And I'd mm -hmm. be like, I got, I got extra cuffs here. Just go grab a pair of cuffs. You know, let's get, let's get you up. Um, and well, the one thing about cardio you got to understand is you got to get your heart rate in the zone first before you start the timer. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. So if you're like, if you're going to be walking at 40% heart rate reserve, okay, get your max, get your min. Okay. Your true max, then use a Carvonin formula. Um, get, get your, your 40% heart rate reserve and now go start moving. I usually like to, without any cuffs on, I'll have yeah. them warm up. Okay. And that warm up may be actually something that I like to do in PT. So I may walk them through some general body mobility drills. Um, and depending upon the level of what they can do, get that heart rate a little up. Then I get them on that, that, that activity, get their heart rate up a little bit higher. And I'm like, all right, we're close. Let's get cuffs on. Let's inflate. Let's go for about a minute, two minutes. You'll see that heart rate get right into that target zone. Boom. Start the clock. Mm. Now, now we're going to actually be working with some changes or you just extend the clock. You know, you just, yeah. you can inflate it and just go, all right, we're going to walk for 12 minutes. Yeah. And the first two consider those are just your, like your warm ups. I just yeah. try to use my time. Depends if I have the time, mm -hmm. you know, I've got, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to be everywhere Man. at once. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm seeing that th this is basically something that across all aspects being injured through the rehab process a healthy athlete looking to either deload completely optimize basically it's how can we optimize performance and recovery mm -hmm. and then elderly yeah they, and then they, elderly they aging athlete yeah we're all, we're all going there man I'm, I'm 36 this year yeah i mean the, the gray's coming through bro <laughs> and, um, yeah it's a, and a that's touch of gray a touch of yeah, gray right yeah. my wife likes it though she's, she's <laughs> like you just looks so much more mature with it i'm like okay. as long as long as she's cool with it but yeah um yeah, yeah. I, I have strategically implemented it with what I do, um, with a lot of, you know, professional and non-professional aging individuals. Um, and a lot of times I, you know, I get them to the point where, bearing in mind not everybody, yeah. but, you know, for those few that are, you know, these, these are your excellent, excellent, you know, uh, individuals that have a very strong sense of regiment. They have a very strong internal locus of control. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like what, what is the most dangerous thing in fitness people, not equipment, not steroids people, because people will abuse everything if they don't have a strong internal locus of control, because then they, they try to, it's excess, it's too much. And, and, and then they get injured Yeah, or worse, you know, they die. Right? Yeah. You know, they take too many anabolics and no one's monitoring this. You know, I have good friends that for many, many years, this is what they do. Many friends that are physicians that do this also. You do things right as you get a little older, it can be very valuable to keep your body going. Um, aging is not a disease. It's you, your body just cannot recover 
as well as it used to. And therefore, little things become lingering things. And then they just continue to be there. And that's where I have found BFR to be an excellent tool to mitigate some of that. Um, because it can basically provide, uh, you know, a, more of a buffer between you training at your peak, which for people, it varies in the sport. You know, mm -hmm. some sports, you know, you're going to peak in your early 20s. Other sports, you might peak in your late 20s with powerlifting, maybe being sometimes into like your late 20s, early 30s. It just depends on your genetic profile and all those other things. Yeah. You know, modifiable, non-modifiable things. But BFR can be a, can help buffer that a little bit longer. And, and Chris, this is bringing back up. That's a good testament right there. Um, Chris is, you know, he's, he, he, he's getting around there, you know, in age. Um, yeah. You'd kick my ass if I said that. <laughs> um, he's, he is a perfect example of somebody who is constantly trying to um, not reinvent the wheel, but optimize the wheel, yeah. you know, and make sure that what he knows through his years of experience um, he continues to put forth, but with better strategy um, in optimizing the amount of time it takes to get it done, yeah. the amount of resources it takes to get it done. Um, and, and those things are, are critical. You know, yeah. you, you need to have a check-in with yourself every now and then. Yeah. Um, and I think once you start to kind of have that check-in and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I should do today's training the way I thought I would. I think I have to adjust this, adjust that. Or while you're there, you're like, hmm that kind of feels a little bit, a little off. Um, listen to, listen to your body. Again, mm -hmm. you are the part of you. That's you is, is just here. This yeah. executive function, that's who you are. The rest of this, it's a pretty sophisticated, uh, tool that gets this around wherever we need to get to. So keep it going. Yeah. Uh, or is just, it's just a tool. So, you know, again, if you're, if you're a safe candidate, you're not a hypertensive person, you're not an obese person and given in those situations, you can still become a candidate. You just got to get with the right people, mm -hmm. get yourself moving, um, get your diet on par, make sure your medical providers are working with you, get down to a good adequate weight uh, and a good body profile. BFR can then become more of an option for you. Yeah. Uh, but for those of us who have been in this, in this game for a long time, who generally keep ourselves going in a very healthy state because it's it's just part of who we are now we, we understand its benefits yeah um, this is just another tool in the toolbox um that i think has come along at the right time where we're kind of being a bit more um especially right now man with what's happening with social distancing it has ran through my mind over and over again that we are going to have to as physical therapists recondition america oh for sure there's, there's going to be so many deconditioned people if this goes on for any longer and all that's going to do is just increase the risk of injury because yeah. your, tough, your toughness is a measure of how often you expose yourself to things that are tough. Mm -hmm. So, i.e., if you don't train or you stop training, you're going to lose some of those training adaptations, a number of which is going to increase your risk of injury um, or can increase your risk of developing chronic diseases if you're a little older already. Yeah. So I look at it as, man, BFR is likely going to be a good tool to use um, you know, in the next coming months, bearing in mind, you know, good candidates. So, yeah. So for example, I mean, given the time that we're at right now, you get a lot of people that are currently not able to train because gyms are closed. They're practicing social distancing, trying to flatten out the curve from coronavirus. So they're stuck at home. 
obviously we're built up. I talk about this a lot in, in all the blogs as far as like load tolerance, we're talking about our tendons. And by taking time away from the gym and not putting adequate load on our body, we're lowering that load ten in tolerance, almost like a thermometer going down. Mm-hmm. You jump right back in the gym. Let's say, you know, that's it, man. Dude, first they're, they're back into the gym and they're like, all right, I'm going to do exactly, you know, today, three sets of 10 at 80% like I was doing instantly. They're overshooting where their mm-hmm. load tolerance was. You're going to have tendinopathy pop up. You're going to have the increase of any other type of injury during this time is a perfect time where you are forced to take a step back from training heavy mm-hmm. You throw in a BFR training, whether that's, you know, cardiovascular or specifically strength training, like we're talking about, do mm-hmm. it with a number of different exercises, 30, 15, 15, 15, correct? With 20 to 30% of your previous one rep max in that exercise for, mm-hmm. um, where am I blanking on right now? Uh, for, you got your, you your four sets. That, that's yeah. an exercise. Now mm-hmm. that's if you're doing the weightlifting side. Yes. I definitely would say you might want to start off with anywhere from like, um, cause each exercise is going to take you approximately five or six minutes to do. And how many so, exercises ideally yeah. in this time frame are we wanting to do? I know you said, obviously there's a little bit of art versus science and if the combination of it, you're usually sitting in this re I would call it a rehab session that we would then be doing. Right. We're looking um, at what, well, I mean, if, if it's a healthy person and they're not hurt, yeah. I kind of call it like a reconditioning session. Okay. Cause that's, that's a good way more, to put it. Like, yeah, more realistically what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but I, I generally will start off with maybe about like one or two exercises per specific area. So okay. like let's divide the body up anterior, posterior, medial, lateral. Okay. So I, it's my legs. I may pick two exercises for my quads, uh, maybe two exercises for my hammies and maybe one exercise for my adductors. Okay. Um, now, undoubtedly, your adductors are going to be screaming at you from the first few exercises. So yeah. maybe I just, you know what? My adductors, ah, they don't really like it right now. I'm just going to do two for my front, two for the back. I'm good. So four exercises a piece, that's about 20 minutes. Um, and that's a good way to start at least with day one. And this could be something as simple as, it doesn't have to be a squat. It could be, right? But it could be something like bridges or sitting knee well, extensions or what exactly... <laughs> You know. Yeah, I think what you'll find is that if if your if the target goal is proximal, like your your hips, your glutes, yeah, uh, um, your you know your delts, uh, it does appear to require a substantial amount of distal fatigue to increase proximal recruitment, and okay. I think that's the way that our nervous system is kind of built to work that way. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of interesting. I mean, like take for example just put some elect, you know, emg electrodes on somebody's rotator cuff and have them grip something mm. the more they grip the more that rotator cuff increases so distal True. distal demands are going to increase proximal recruitment so yeah. you, you kind of got to do the same thing with bfr so generally speaking like let's say for example if let's say i, I give somebody like week one yeah so just make make it real simple so week one i may say all right we're going to take uh we're going to take three days and we're going to work on our cardiovascular with BFR and our mobility drills. And those mobility drills are going to be dynamic. So we may do some things like dynamic forward lunges uh, with like, you know, the world's perfect stretch mixed in there. Uh, we may do some, uh, uh, some prone or supine lumbar specific drills. And I might actually just say, let, let's go ahead and, and focus a little bit more on, on targeting, um, you know, 
core coordination or trunk coordination, you know, with, with you know, any, any of those types of drills. Yeah. Then I might say, let's now have three uh, uh, strength uh, days yeah. uh, where we're going to maybe mix um, upper lower with BFR. Yeah. Um, and that's okay to do that. Yeah. You know, that's perfectly fine to do that because this is your first week and you're not having to just, you're not having to split out lower leg one day, upper body one day. You can yeah. do it on the same time. So I might say, all right, let's pick an exercise like a sit to stand. So mm-hmm. I want you, or like a box squat. I want yeah. something in your ass, pardon me, I want something in your butt because you may, you may tap out and you're going to, you're going to want to sit. And yeah. if, you're, if you're just freeing up in the air you you may tap out sooner because you don't have that safety support system behind you. So I may say, we're going to go box squats. Uh, we're going to go calf raises. Uh, let's go ahead and do uh, either seated or prone hamstring curls. Okay. Uh, and then for the fourth exercise, now that we've already fatigued out the quad, the calf, mm-hmm. the hand, now let's get glute. Now mm-hmm. let's go ahead and hit up single leg bridges or um, – or just do a standard bridge. That's fine. Uh, but I might definitely suggest you're going to need some resistance for a bridge. Yeah. So either, you know, if you have a band set up that you can do for hip thrusters, mm-hmm. um, go for it. If not, I would say I definitely suggest single leg glute bridges or uh, a deficit bridge, like a deficit froggy bridge, you know, put a box uh, in front of you, lay down on your back, put your feet on top of the box with your knees bent. You're going to be in a froggy position. So your hips are out 45 degrees. Uh, that's be better. Uh, but I would reserve the more proximal towards the end of the session. And then I would just repeat for the upper extremity for the upper extremity. I probably would say, let's go ahead and hit up biceps. Let's hit up triceps. Now let's go ahead and hit up uh, a push up. Mm. Now, now everything's done. Now let's go ahead and hit up overhead shoulder press. Gotcha. Uh, or I might say, uh, bicep, tricep, um, rows. Mm-hmm. push-ups or or just even the way i just said it bicep tricep rows push-ups shoulder press yeah you just do and, that. You, and you mentioned with tempo we're looking at like a one zero one so it's just not yeah. a fast but it's a it's a well controlled we're not yeah. we're not we're not slowing <laughs> yeah. the tempo down too much no no so can so consider each round is going to take you roughly about five minutes yeah so if you're looking at at about an hour yeah okay um, conceivably you should be able to do enough work for your lower and upper body to fit it in there in that one hour session. And you're going to feel pretty damn good. You're going to be like, all right, I got a pretty sweet pump. Yeah. I survived. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I would, and I might say that that first, that first week, I would probably tell you, um, to make things easy. Uh, just start with the 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol. Okay. But don't go to failure. So if that okay. first set of 30, you got solid. If you didn't stop where you stopped. Okay. The second set, which is 15. If you got there solid, if you didn't stop where you stopped and, and all gotcha. the way through, you, what you're probably going to realistically see is if you're not used to these rep ranges, you're probably going to tap out somewhere between, you know, 15 or 20 on the first one. Yeah. The second one, you're probably going to tap out around like 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to maybe get like six or eight of them in there. And then you're maybe going to get another maybe six or eight of them in there if you're doing them right. Okay. Um, now, if, if you're not using uh, BFR cuffs that have a gauge that you can pump up and you're just using a knee wrap, it's a lot harder to determine what it's going to take for you to get done what you need to get done mm. safely, first and foremost. 
Um, and second, um, just, you know, objectively, it's kind of like everywhere. It's hard to determine how much pressure because there are things are, because they're elastic, they give. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just not as second, optimal, basically. Well, yeah. I mean, I think in the fitness world, it's not as optimal in the healthcare world. It's just not safe, mm-hmm. especially if you're applying it to a patient, you want to be using something that you can objectively, you know, put down how many millimeters of mercury were you using? How long did they do it for? How many reps and sets? Did they do? You know, we, the, yeah. the general things we do for, um, you know, just to make sure that we're within, you know, good legal standings with what we're doing. So we're just yeah. watching out for our license. Um, so yeah. And I would say that's a good week one. So, you know, anywhere from like three days of walking with mobility in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another three days of, you know, total body training and between that first session and that second session, you might want to actually let two days go by. Mm. It may want to be like you, you do your first, you know, cardio session on Monday, check weightlifting session on Tuesday, check weight, uh, cardio on Wednesday, cardio on Thursday, Uh, weightlifting session Friday. Should this leave you very sore? Like you should, you get the first time as if, yeah. First time I can tell you almost without a doubt, you're going to get doms the first time you do it, but it's, it's a sliding scale. Uh, by about your second week, usually you're going to attenuate, which yeah. just means you're going to, you'll adapt and then it's yeah. not going to be as painful. Um, so maybe what you reported like a six out of 10 is probably gonna be down to like four out of 10. Or like the repeated um, bout effect basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is, there is an RBE. There is actually a study of an RBE with, with BFR, mm-hmm. uh, which that will happen. Um, and then, you know, so uh, yeah, your second week's going to be better. Your first, your first time doing it, you're going to be sore and that's okay. I mean, again, mm-hmm. you don't expose yourself to this stuff. Um, that, that soreness is a sign that a, your nervous system's working. Awesome. Congratulations. You have a healthy one. That's what it should do. It yeah. should be very sensitive. It should dial in and let you know if something's happened. Um, that's that threat detection system that kept all of our ancestors alive. Mm-hmm. And we are the, uh, you know, we are the children of them. Um, although there are many more many more um science-minded folks nowadays i i think because we haven't had to uh, evade the wolf or the tiger for so long not that long but long enough yeah that uh, that that left side logic has gotten a little bit bigger we're, we're not <laughs> it's like food you know <laughs> hunting stuff down but uh, yeah you're it's normal you're going to be sore best things to do when you're sore that's why the, those mobility mobility sessions are going to be helpful mm-hmm. and so will that walking session yeah. Um, and, and in that time frame, make sure, again, if you're not injured, you don't need that crazy amount of protein. Um, but it would, it would benefit you um, to at least be looking at some of the, um, the RDAs for healthy people, mm-hmm. which I think on average right now is maybe like, um, I think it's like 1.8, mm-hmm. 1.5, 1.8 grams per kilogram of protein per body weight. Yep. It's pretty average, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so if you're doing those things right, you should be good. Yeah. You know, you'll recover through that first week. Uh, bearing in mind, you're going to get a sore after that first training session. That second training session on Friday, you're probably already going to recover from that one better because you already yeah. did two days prior to of, of the cardio and mobility. Um, so you can, and, and your weeks aren't going to be perfect. Yeah. If you want to be perfect, what I might suggest is um, that maybe that you only try it BFR training two times a week and then progress to three 
gotcha. on, you know, maybe week two, week three, gotcha. um, you know, and, and so, but I handle this a lot of times on like a one-on-one basis, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, a lot of times I get emails from people they'll like this. They'll hear a podcast and they'll say, Hey, listen, I want to try this. Um, can I, can you write me, you know, uh, some programming? Generally I'll write somewhere between like anywhere from six to 12 weeks of programming out okay. for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, and I'll usually have a check-in after the first two weeks yeah. and then let them ride out a month. Um, and that usually gets us to where we need to get to, uh, with maybe just a check-in at the end, um, or just fielding questions kind of as they happen. Cause that, I mean, I, I will get some people that are like, <clears throat> they buy it cause they have pain. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, you should probably go see a physical therapist. For that. <laughs> They're like, but yeah. you're a physical therapist. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not your physical therapist. I'm, I'm not, I'm not tracking your case. I'm, we're, th- this is a different relationship that we're having here. Yeah. Um, but you know, th- for people who are like, you look, man, I got chronic pain. Look, I-, I-, I tried PT. I tried the low load stuff. I tried the, the nice massage. I tried the dry needling. It's- it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, all right, man, let's, you know, it- it's on you to do it. You sign your waiver. Let's go for knee pain. A world of difference. Ankle pain, world of difference. Elbow wrist. I'll tell you as a drummer world of difference uh hips and shoulders you got to work hard enough to get there to see some stuff happen but as you put bulk below it yeah uh it it definitely it definitely can help it's helped me a a lot in my own personal life and not all the people i've worked with but yeah that would be like a week one i would say get through that um and then then strategically from there maybe up uh keep keep it the same but up your cardio by maybe one more bout of five minutes okay either you know take a break or just do a one full round of 10 uh-huh. um, and on the weightlifting side probably keep it the same for at least you know maybe like until week three um and then just start seeing if you can if you can complete the full protocol yeah uh, as is before you even start putting weight on it i mean you can mm. try to put weight on it the likelihood you're not going to complete it yeah like you're gonna laugh you're gonna go oh my god <laughs> this is 20 percent or like, yeah. you'll go, this is 10%? How am I supposed to survive this? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, coffee can help. Coffee <laughs> yeah. can help to reduce pain. Coffee helps with a lot of things. It does. It does. It does. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big coffee drinker. But um, there actually is a study with coffee and BFR, which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. They did more reps. Um, they had less, um, less lactic acid. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So, but again, if, if the goal is to have less reps because you want to get that that peripheral fatigue window just right where it's not enough reps to make you tired and and have doms and and you know screw with your performance yeah and just enough that you get those motor units up there and you get that good mechanotransduction then that's what we're shooting for so we don't want yeah. more reps yeah um so yeah you want to keep awesome. it tight and keep it in that protocol and then eventually as that as that load gets better, you start hitting those failures. You know, maybe it's like 30, 15, 15 failure. Yeah. 30, 15 failure, failure. 30 failure, failure, failure. <laughs> or then just failure, 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 failure. failure. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the key to success is just fail more often, right? Yeah. So man. Yeah. Well, 
I uh, want to thank you so much for sharing all of your valuable, valuable, can't talk right now, information with, uh, with everyone yeah, out there. This is man. by far, I mean, the amount of information you shared in this podcast is outstanding. And I think so many people, it's not just the theory because the theory was definitely discussed, but it was practical application for all points, not mm-hmm. only injury, but you know, through the rehab and then also for the healthy athlete and then performance. And then, man, just so much valuable information. So I just cannot thank you enough for those out there that want to continue learning and, you know, find out more about you and all the work that you're doing, where can they go and where can they continue to learn from you? So right now, um, the only social media I've been kind of keeping tabs with is just Instagram. So, uh, my, uh, my handle was at lifters clinic. Um, spelt the way it is lifters clinic with an S and, um, so you can find me there. You can post questions if you want. Um, uh, I I'm okay with giving that same email. Cause honestly, if a lot of messages come in, it will be hard for me to track it. So <laughs> if you have like a very specific question or if you're interested in like specific training, just email me Mario at liftersclinic.com. That way I will track it. It will not get lost because I am dealing with a lot of patients right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we're not in clinic, um, and eventually the liftersclinic.com website will be back up. Um, I've, I had to make some modifications to things, uh, but I have been working in the, in the background, um, with, uh, other collaborators, um, uh, other cuff companies, uh, cause there's some great cuffs out there guys that you can mm-hmm. get now nowadays. I'm trying to get discount codes for them to hand out. Uh, but if you're, 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 you want to go, you want to jump in and get started. Uh, I can definitely tell you, um, H plus is a good one. Fit cuff is another good one. Smart tools is a good one too. It's a little bit more pricey. Um, the, the H plus ones are, are good for kind of like your, your, your gym and clinic. Cause you can wipe them down. They don't absorb any sweat. Fit cuffs, mm-hmm. they do the same thing. Smart tools, they can absorb a little bit of sweat. So you want to mm-hmm. be cautious with that. Um, uh, and then obviously, you know, if you're in the world of research, like I am, you know, a Delphi unit uh, is a, a excellent, excellent computer controlled unit. If you're in a hospital system that uh, is very, very stringent on, on, on just time um, and on maybe a very high bar of safety, they're very, very, they want the bells and whistles. Yeah. Delphi unit is the way to go right now in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and probably in about a year or less, I'm not sure, there's going to be another unit out of Europe uh, mm. called MADUP, M-A-D-U-P, MADUP which is pretty dope because it's one unit that has two cuffs. So like the Delphi unit is one computer, one cuff. Yeah. You need to buy two of those to do two limbs and they're, they're pricey. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to claim. I know the price right now because it probably has changed, but they're up there. You know, they're in the thousands. Wow. Uh, The add up unit is probably also in the thousands, but it's one unit and then it has two, two cuffs right off of it. Gotcha. Um, And that's, that's actually the one I'm using right now uh, in research. They, they lent me a unit from Europe, from France, really cool guys. And, um, so I'm using that one now, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been super cool, man. I love doing these brain dumps, uh, yeah. because there's a lot of info, uh, that's out there. It's good to get these questions. Cause a lot of times people just, they, they think, you know, I got the right idea. Let's, let's yeah. do it. And then I'll do the bodybuilding stuff right after my strength training session. It's like, that may be too much stress. And it shows yeah. that that actually like limit your capacity to get any real benefit. Cause Again, what's the most dangerous thing in the gym is the people that don't know what they're doing that just yeah. make a song. So, you know, listen, uh, listen to the experts, 
people listening to this podcast, listen to Aaron here. Awesome guy. Great content, great information. Um, you appreciate can always tell it's true. It comes from the heart, man. So, yeah, dude. All right, pl- I appreciate that. Man. Dude, as likewise. And, uh, yeah, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed all the work, please go and follow uh, Mario on Instagram. Give him your uh, – or if you have any questions, definitely reach out. And yeah, uh, yeah. Sure, there we go. Until next time, guys, happy squatting. Hey guys, before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for checking out the Squatting University podcast. Um, it really means so much to me to have you guys listen to the show. And I just want to take a second to give an extended shout out to those of you who take time out of your day to not only listen, but also go in and on whatever platform you're listening to, leave a review for the podcast. Um, it really means so much to me. So um, today's rating and review came from, and I'm going to butcher this, Benosorix. Uh, this person wrote, I've been struggling with mobility issues and pain around certain joints for years and no book or podcast has come close to Squaw University when it comes to helping me understand the problems I'm facing and what I should be doing to correct them. Every time I listen, I have a light bulb moment along the lines of, oh, so that's why X hurts. And when I do Y, I need to do more of Z. Thank you so much for that rating and review. I really appreciate it. Um, I just want to take a second and say thank you and to everyone else who is leaving a rating and review. I'm going to be continuing to try to do maybe a shout out of each new rating and review coming up at the end of other podcasts just to say thank you personally to those of you who take time every day to share the podcast with others to allow it to grow in a way that we can help more and more people. So again, thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart and I hope you have a great rest of your day. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.